0: This is the light which shall give revelation to the Gentile, the mystery of God in the world, with the salvation
1: of the world.
2: How is it going, everybody? I'm Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rudy Carlos. Welcome to the Glad gladtread podcast baby rudy look at that fresh cut straight out the salon look at Whoa. you ooh, ooh. <laughs> i was going for an 1800s look you know what you i i i would believe that you tie women to railroad tracks with that look don't worry <laughs> <laughs> jordy you're looking good yourself hey thank you, thank you i need a haircut you know and unfortunately i haven't had a haircut in like a month and my hair grows like a weed if our audience can tell <laughs> but uh but thank you i really appreciate that i'm feeling pretty good man i'm feeling pretty good um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Rudy, man, we, we, we did it by grace of God. And thanks to our wonderful, awesome, cool subscribers. We did it. Welcome to the GladTrad podcast. 1K subscriber special. Insert sound effects. <laughs> Hello. The Glad Trad Podcast will be right back after we resolve these technical difficulties. God bless you, everyone. Regardless of how you listen, thank you to everybody who has subscribed to our YouTube channel. Um, This is one of those huge hallmarks for us. And of course, as you can see, it's kind of an outdated hallmark, right? Because we're really at like 1120. Thank you guys. We're so grateful. but, you know, we, we do this podcast not because it like, just like strokes our eagle ego, not eagle. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, we started this years ago. Now at this point, it's years ago. It's three years ago, if you can believe it. Um, just wanting to share the joys of the Latin mass, just wanting to talk about traditional Catholicism. And if you go back to our very first episode, Rudy, this is so crazy. I think you aren't, I think you just gotten engaged. I wasn't engaged yet. So the whole, like, we just got into Latin mass. And so this whole trajectory, right? I've just now like we're both married you're you're expecting more kids like what the heck you know uh, it's i mean how crazy what a what a wonderful road it's been just doing these episodes and, and being bros all the while yeah absolutely thank you so much for
3: for tuning in and supporting our our podcast all of this time as jordan mentioned you know this whole time a lot of life has happened and it's it's really exciting to be here with you guys and uh we're looking forward to the rest of the uh the time we have together
2: yeah you know and there's been you know we we tend to try to focus on the positive for a little bit of people's but obviously uh with trish you know, senate and, and solidality the horrible closures a lot masses there's a lot of there's a lot of solidarity i think needed and while it's really important obviously to have like physical community more so um it's great to know that there's a lot of of catholics we even had non-catholics who've listened but it's great to know yeah. that there are people who know that that listening to our videos and interacting in the comment sections or with other people Um, that, that we don't feel so alone as we kind of go through these trials of the church. And that's been something that uh, we've been very humbled by. I know just hearing the stories of subscribers and supporters and and people, uh, who have come from all different walks of life, finding the truth of Christ in his church and, and really being able to get down their stories and actually listen to them. Genuine listen, not like the weird synodality sort of listen that the church pretends it's doing. We're (laughs) listening. We're listening. (laughs) Well,
3: you know, and that that brings up a very interesting point that I think you and I both want to make. And the fact of the matter is we think the chair is empty. The chair is completely empty. There hasn't been a pope since John the 23rd. And it's time for us to get serious about it. Nah, i just kidding. I'm we're just not kidding. <laughs> look at <laughs> no, your face. No, yo, we're gonna have some enemies to take that out of
2: context. Congratulations. That's our podcast set for conscious, Confirm. You <laughs> see me nodding? I was like, yeah, go, uh, go for it. <laughs> uh,
3: jokes, jokes, jokes. But yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon, and uh, good opportunities here to look at it in a positive light. But yeah. uh, absolutely, we do need solidarity at this moment. Um, you know, the the stronger we are together, the better we're gonna come out of the. We're gonna come out of this at the end is what i'm trying to say because tradition is alive and it's being suppressed uh, unfairly and i think a lot of people understand that now and um are between a rock and a hard place so you know there's there's definitely things that we can explore here uh in the upcoming
2: episodes of of the podcast so really excited for that terribly excited and you know so usually obviously our our quote for this podcast is resuits s bellum laughter and war and, um, you know, it's always nice to sit back and smile a little bit. We've done a couple of similar things like this on our podcast. What we're about to do today is uh, in the midst of all this craziness, um, check out my last video, i really addressing the the closures of Arlington, Washington, D.C., the Institute of Christ the King leaving Chicago, if you want to get some some of a sober stuff. We've had joy, of course, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But uh, today we're going to actually do something a little dank, very us. And um, (laughs) (laughs) let me, let me set the table. Let me set the table. So. You know, we're in this springtime of the new evangelization, right? Well, actually, in the world of Traditiones Custodes, we have talked extensively, especially with our buddy Nick Cavasso's at the Traditional Thomist. Mm-hmm. We've talked extensively on how Traditiones Custodes kind of eliminated the Concilium Reform of the Reform sort of movement in the church. It seems very clear that um, in a world where St. Uh, Sabinas is allowed to have mass and the Institute of Christ the King is not, that uh that this unity aspect only only goes one way right and that's towards the destruction of the tristian of the of the mass and certainly of the catholic faith we know this with the synod of synodality but one thing that's really funny is that especially a lot of conservative catholics still cling on to this idea which is that um you know the council was a good and holy thing right rudy and that it simply just went off the rails right it was simply hijacked by by a very small fringe uh, sorts of people and um We've spent a lot of time going over that, kind of seeing if there's any merit to it. But one thing that's very important for us is that we don't want to misconstrue um, opposing viewpoints. We don't want a straw man. We're not just here to dunk on the new mass, but we are here to actually almost make a historical documentation about what exactly happened. And in the words of the people who actually was there. Mm-hmm. So, so let's enter the world of 1968. The council is just about to wrap up and NBC at the time made a documentary. This documentary is called The American Catholic. It is, uh, it's an hour long piece and you're going to hear the words of the council. You're going to see the changes and the confusion at the time in real time in the people's own words. These are not obscure figures that we're going to see. We're going to be talking to bishops and priests and all peoples and nuns about how wonderful the council is. And uh, I think now that we're 60 years on from it, Rudy, we can really sit back and go, "Wow, no wonder things flew off the handle in <laughs> in such a short amount of time." <laughs>
3: yeah you know the the really interesting thing about this is um there was a lot of a lot of press attention during the second vatican council and a lot of people lending their opinions on these sorts of things and i think it really speaks to how the council allowed these people with very very different worldviews, very different opinions to come in and just kind of direct in a way uh this council in a, in a, a d- democratic way. And the, the church is not a democracy, but you will see in this video that people have all kinds of opinions on things. And it's surprising to see down the road how many of these opinions have become mainstream in the church, where they may not be actually compatible with our faith. So this is a very interesting video
2: um and uh i guess we should just get into it what do you think jordan let's eat this bread warning to our audience i don't know i can't guarantee this will be a two-part series but we might be doing some <laughs> starting and stopping to really just go over this thing it's worth it so if you don't for the sake of our 1k subscriber special if you drink whiskey in hand you know get some goldfish get some popcorn call the kids over call the wife Ooh. Look at that. Look at that Orva Ruddenbacher plug. Oops. I just soy face, dude. My bad. Where's <laughs> the thumbnail? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh, oh that's cringe. That's I knew cringe. it. All right. I'm going to share this screen. Here we go. Oh, very smooth. Oh, very good. Smooth like butter. Oh, you ready, Rudy?
3: Ooh, three, two, one. Let's go.
2: going turn up a little bit. Yes, people, we are watching a mass in 1968. Let's see what they do. Oh.
3: What in the world? <laughs> oh. I already want to like leave the church.
2: <laughs> Did you see that? That was a there was a banner in Hebrew up at <laughs> the front. Hebrew,
3: yep. Hebrew <laughs> banner.
2: <laughs> oh, freedom to share! Look at this renewal of the church, Rudy. Oh, what in the world? this being back to the Novus Ordo, my dude. <laughs> Thankfully, I never went to a mass like this. We are your people, Lord
1: and we have come to give praise to you. We have gathered also to give witness to your convictions that reform and renewal must come from the whole church, from the people of God inspired by the Spirit. We have come together to give support to one another in our time of pain. We are leaving an environment in the church which we have had for many years. We are leaving an environment of monarchy, and we are leaving a king-subject relationship that was very, very helpful for an immigrant church, was very helpful for illiterate Let's forget, people forget the social kingship of Christ, shall United we? At the turn of the century exactly. And who wanted to be guided and who did not want to ask questions. We do intend to use our voices
0: and our talents as laymen in full support of the efforts of individuals, priests or laymen, and of groups, civil or church, public or private, who are working to bring Christ into the modern world.
2: I love these little. is
4: Florence Joanne O'Brien from St. Francis Xavier Parish, and I don't consider myself clergy. I'm a person.
2: The church. I want to. I want to take a pause right there. So we have. <laughs> I, want so to take a pa- I know right I just want to take a pause because here we have this nun I'll, I'll back up a little bit here we have this nun who gets up right
0: do and for those who might have just missed it let's hear what she says in she's in full
2: habit yeah she's in <laughs> full, full habit she's like full-on full mother cabrini mode people, over here
0: priest or layman end of groups civil or church public or private who are working to bring Christ into the modern world
4: I'm Sister Florence Joanne O'Brien from St. Francis Xavier Parish and I don't consider myself a clergy. I'm a lay person.
2: So there it is right already it's this is 60 years ago And by the way one of the things that's very important for me is that if you go along and watch this um see where are they now w- where are these Catholic parishes where are these bishops these priests these nuns that you'll see this is very very uh interesting it's very very sad actually but here we have a consecrate you know, we have we have religious life saying, Oh, I'm not I'm not, I don't consider myself clergy, I'm a lay person. Uh well what good can come of this, right, Rudy? I mean, technically she's
3: not clergy, but right, I think what right. she's trying to say is I'm not a religious, I'm just a layperson, and that's not it's uh we're seeing a blurring here of of the roles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
5: the church must find new and more effective means because it is a matter of history that we're, even though the church remains the same, she can change her methods, there are parts of her structure that she can change, and that evidently she must change in order to meet the challenges of this era.
6: We are all in this together, Pope, Bishops, (laughs) clergy, religious, and laity, or we are not in it at all. We need each other we We need to wear masks you're right (laughs) joined by him or we shall be torn apart by him
2: that's interesting they say we are joined by him or torn apart by him beethoven did it better there it is the new american catholic
7: i think one of the biggest things that has to change is the idea that religion proceeds from the Pope down through the bishops to the people? Religion, if, if it is to be all relevant, must begin with the people and move from there to the Pope.
2: So I'm going to pause right there. You hear that? Synod and synodality? Isn't that, mm. isn't that interesting, right? Six years onward. It's like it's, it's, it's reverses, because think about this, right? Uh, obviously, laity are not second class citizens in the church. There is a role that we play. Uh, but it's very strange to me that where we say that Christ handed the faith to the apostles right he gave saint peter the keys to the kingdom they went on they baptized all nations christ established a hierarchical church there are certain parameters yeah. that that clergy and religious life get to have that we just don't as laity. um but you, as you said earlier like we'll see all the destruction of it happening right now
3: and not only that but the bishops have the teaching authority to teach the laity mm-hmm. and then the laity, in a certain way have the They have the hierarchy to go and teach their family. It's not we're learning something or we're experiencing something that the the church has never experienced before. And therefore, I have to go and teach the church. I have to go tell the Pope how my my personal experience is and how different it is from the experience of like the existence of the human race. It just doesn't make sense. Like you look through scriptures and stuff. And if you look at the scriptures, the things that people were struggling back then, it's the same thing that we're struggling with now. So people don't change, and therefore I don't have to go and teach the Pope something. He already knows it.
2: Right, I mean, but you know what I could do? I could I could intercut what these people may or may not say. I could do it with synod and synodality stuff. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same modernist heresy that has crept into the church.
4: I have some friends that uh, have kind of drifted away from the church and since talking to them and tell them, explain them, you know, these new ways of Catholic church, they've come back to see what it was like. and. ...have gotten to like it a lot better. I like it for, it... I like the changes. Yeah. I feel happier,
1: I mean, this is a modern day and age. And I think the church has... Is that
3: a- the guy who killed Kennedy? <laughs> the changes
4: that are coming in are, um... ...are going to help the church. Very much, I think they're inspired, and I think they're going to help the people to be better Catholic.
3: Oh, they're inspired, alright.
0: it will be to me. You know, I'm not really too worried what people say it is. I'm more worried what I think it is and what I make it.
2: Uh, 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 (laughs) uh, we're looking at our grandparents right now. We are looking at our grandparents right now, right? People are feel happier. Oh, it's going to be great. It's springtime new evangelization
8: In discussing the current changes within the Catholic church and within the churches generally. I think it's safe to say that one of the big occasions probably the principal occasion for changes in the church today has been the convoking and the discussions resulting from the Second Vatican Council convoked by Pope John the 23rd I would say that John is the occasion within the Catholic Church not the cause the occasion for focusing the attention of the church and the attention of the world on the necessity for change within the church
2: one thing you'll notice john
8: himself yep. they the
2: they Catholic talk church. about john the 23rd fact, so even though Paul politics is pope at the, the time for changes they, of course john the 23rd started the council so the, you'll see this fondness for john the, the 23rd
8: response to the changes going on within society today the church is by definition a conservative agency in society particularly the Catholic Church, which takes its origin from divine revelation, which has the teachings of Christ as the given substance of the faith. However, in order to keep faith with the teachings of Christ, the spokesman for the Church must be certain that their mode of presenting Christ to the world, or their stance, or their posture at any given time is faithful to Christ, and is also in tune with the needs of the persons of that day who are receiving the message now this is a very complex phenomenon
2: so we will see in this documentary it's not the mass of paul the sixth yeah it's not the Novus orders we know it yet we, we a lot of these shots we'll see are is a hybrid mass that in between nobis or latin massing this is versus populum using latin kind of it's a very very strange time period
8: secularity the secular world its value, its problems, its identity. And that document calls churchmen, priests, religious, and all Catholic laymen to re-examine the needs of mankind in the real situation. The question of civil rights, the question of nuclear warfare, the morality of war, uh, conscientious objection, uh, poverty, uh, wealth, the haves, the have-nots, this document raises many questions for the church which are not ecclesiastical questions and in effect bids churchmen and those who claim to be spokesmen for Christ in the modern world to concern themselves with those areas in which humanity is hurting or humanity is bleeding and this is a difficult period it's a time that's trying the whole church and it's it's trying all of the different authentic spokesmen within the church for conserving the substantial tradition of the Church at the same time that the Church changes its style in order to bring the message of Christ to the world and to mankind as man is now. But this is simply another way of saying that we are having difficulty acquiring the new style that's called for by the decrees of the Second Vatican Council. We are trying to keep faith with those decrees and trying to translate them into intelligible terms for the Church and for society now. And this is one of the reasons that at the present time, we have a new note of oftentimes acrimonious debate within the church. (laughs) Extremely conservative positions being advanced with fervor and with heat, and extremely progressive, uh, sometimes revolutionary opinions being advanced.
3: I will give
2: this uh, bishop great credit. I think that he hits the nail on the head exactly. Oh. What the issues are, or the or the priest before I can't remember if that one's a bishop or a priest. I want to pause real quick and just kind of highlight an interesting thing, which is that again, this is called the New American Catholic. So what you will see, of course, and what we've already seen, is that this is the world of the '60s, and it's not to say that a council should never have been invoked. I think that there was stuff to address, most certainly, but you will find that the kind of the Americanism heresy, right? becomes front and center when we take it back to church for for everyone who who thinks that we've gone overboard on the idea of social justice that this has completely trumped theology and doctrine and everything this is the seeds of it um it's very interesting it's a very interesting thing to see
3: i thought so too jordan when he was talking about those uh those issues which are quintessentially american issues it's sort of uh spark the idea like this this kind of movement that we see or that we have seen has some sort of root here in america wouldn't you say i mean yeah i think it i'm not sure if there's like a european feel to it i think there mm, i mean there's certain european elements like communion on the hand that that was a later development but yeah but this this sort of movement here it's almost as if america had a voice in how things were going to be shaped after the council in the liturgy,
2: yeah. Do you remember when we went through *Dignitatis Humanae* and our first reaction was, "Oh, this read like an American document," and we yeah. found out where, right when we went through some of the documents, we were talking about. I think it's in part one of the SSPX thing we had with Nick, but we mm-hmm. learned that. Oh, yeah, no wonder this is authored by an American. And so it's one thing for different, of course, cultures and nationalities to come together at a council, but typically the documents of councils can sometimes read pretty agnostic. To country into culture right sometimes there's a particular yeah. issue they have to address in a particular place i'm not saying that they shouldn't have been there for in the second vatican council but you'll see especially through this documentary it's it you you know i get it like we're obviously in america focusing on america but yeah no wonder that we kind of have this mess that we do in our country because of the stuff that unfolds here
9: there can be no change in the divine institution and constitution of the church the church exists as it has been established by Christ, and it will always continue that way. It was founded on Peter and the apostles and upon their successors, and it will always continue throughout the ages in that form.
6: Unfortunately, church authorities and persons alike are all too often uh, becoming unduly fearful when they face the challenge of the trauma which is upon us.
2: This is, either this guy or his father is the one who founded the National Catholic Reporter.
6: Even more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which is called the National Catholic (laughs) Distorter, right? Oh boy. Uh Uh-huh. So I love the contrast that they do here.
6: Creative Christianity to offer the church
9: new dimensions
6: of love, and of service
2: new dimensions of love and
9: there story. can be no change in the Apostles Creed or in the Nicene Creed or in any of the creeds of the Catholic Church there can be no change in the essentials of the mass and of the seven sacraments there can be no change in the Ten Commandments There can be no change in the infallible dogmatic decrees of the ecumenical councils of the Church.
6: If renewal and reform fails in the Church of the United States, it will not be enough for us to wring our hands and point fingers of shame at our leadership. On the other hand, we must make no mistake about it. Bishops and pastors in particular have an inescapable leadership role Leadership is their office. It's their full-time function in the church.
9: It is said, although it hasn't been historically proven, that Pope John opened the windows to let in fresh air into the Catholic Church. I say I can't find a historical confirmation of this story. But if it is true, it is evident that when you open windows, You can let in not only fresh air, but you can let in some queer birds who will mess up everything inside. The times cry out.
3: Bugs, Nene, anybody? I know,
2: right? I just.
9: Same as we used to play
6: house or cowboys and Indians as children.
3: Also, I just want to say he talks about how it was unsubstantiated, the story of, of him saying opening the windows, but it's also. Another story, uh, the legend goes that he was screaming, Stop the council! Stop the council, stop the council as he was dying. So,
6: this concept has freed our imagination.
2: You know, we often focus on Paul VI in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, but I, I read a really interesting uh, Father John O'Malley. S.J. We are
8: very much in did a really,
2: really interesting thing on um, John the XXIII's role in opening the council. So very interesting pope. pope. We don't talk about him a lot.
8: Who are of a mind that any change oh, yeah, is so this oh, yeah, is so
2: those at the other end
8: of the spectrum who would So again, I, lo- I encourage people to
2: look up what's happened to these bishops and these, and these priests, priests, priests afterwards and, and their diocese and all this kind of stuff. We will do so at the end of this. We
8: will bring these ends of the spectrum together so that we might keep faith with the tradition which we are obligated to keep this is the fundamental substance of the teaching of Christ
1: I'm really not happy with the change because I was born and raised a very strict Catholic and and was taught that it could not be changed it was infallible and I I find this very hard to accept and to explain to my children
7: well, I would imagine no to people so it's going too fast but the church is going to have to redefine herself uh, her very basis from the concept of authority to legalism in the church and even to certain sacred doctrines that uh, apparently
1: many people continue to hold. There it is. That's right. It's very distracting, this new modern method they have for mass. I prefer the old Latin, like where you raised in your childhood. And uh, it's
9: more religious.
4: You have to have moved fast this day and age. You just can't be slow like we used to be. I'm real happy with it.
2: you'd love to do a where are they now with them, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, you know? where,
3: where do they end up,
2: Jordan? <laughs> right. But I, I love what I love the contrast there, right? There's some are saying, listen, I don't know how to explain everything's changing. I don't know how to explain it to my children. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who says like, uh, we are going to have to redefine from authority to legalism, to sacred doctrines that people have hold, held. uh, and other, and the, that last lady, right? She says, Hey, um, you know, we can't be as slow as we used to. We have to be as fa- as we have to be fast. Right. And um, this, as we evidently obviously were six years onward from this thing, this is not a good mode for anybody to operate in. But, you know, we certainly have let in a couple of queer birds, and that's why they're called cardinals. <laughs>
8: <laughs> the decrees of the Vatican Council call us not only to a review.
2: So I made a mistake, style, by the way. I think the council just ended a year. This is 69. I think it ended in 68. World, so.
8: But also call us to create several new structures. Within the Catholic Church. One of the most promising of these experiments, and one that we're all looking to, because we need some pilot programs that blaze some trails. Uh, we need to have some success stories at this time, and one of them that we're watching with a great deal of interest is the Experimental Parish, or as it's called, the Community of John the 23rd in Oklahoma City.
2: Look it up, people. Here it is. Oklahoma? Probably community of John the 23rd, the of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma.
7: Courage to think for ourselves. And a lot of people ask, what motivated you people in Oklahoma to start the community of John the 23rd? And there are lots of reasons, but probably I would say the most significant points number one, our frustration with the slowness of renewal from a grassroots level at the close of Vatican II. Secondly, as Americans, we just felt the need to be involved in a community in which we were instrumental in shaping its destiny. In order to be sure that we weren't tied to the old traditional structures, we named ourselves the community of John the 23rd. We don't own any land or buildings. As a matter of fact, we rent a school hall for our Sunday morning meetings. We hire Sunday morning meetings. our priest, our servant. We govern ourselves by means of an elected lay chairman and elected board of directors, of which I myself am a member. And we meet right here in this rented
1: office. I think one thing that we should discuss is a question that uh, Bill talked to me about last week. He called me on the phone and was a little concerned about a
10: couple of problems that we he thinks we have. And Would you mind kind of filling them in a little
1: bit on what they are we can talk about it? Uh,
11: one of the things that that is really bugging uh, the church is the role of the priest. So I have one particular vision of what it is as I experience it in this community. Of course, one of the things that really intrigues me uh, would be could I handle uh, another John the 23rd or a third John the 23rd and what this would do in my human relationships to the people here.
2: What? (laughs) Oh, you'll see. (laughs) You ain't ready.
11: I'm very happy uh, in my life as a priest because uh, after some 16 years of trying to figure out what Christianity is all about and what I'm all about in it, I think that so typically, way,
2: typically the vesting way, goes on right in the um something here. sacristy and yeah thank you in the, in the sacristy but and to come up with
11: uh, things that uh, would really express their life their ups and downs their sins and their loves
3: This looks exactly like a
2: Protestant service. Dude, I would not even I don't think the Protestants were this soy at this time, honestly.
3: This is a bunch of kids goofing around.
2: Oh yeah, they got balloons how many of them you know and again like we know we have the numbers are these people still catholic
11: let's at this time uh bring forth our prayers of petition my get it, so won't have oh my then wants we'll to pray for our grandfather so his back will be better Mel? I would like
4: to petition God's blessings on my forthcoming marriage.
11: She wants to ask you for God's blessing on her forthcoming marriage, which is May the 30th. March. No way, i sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> well,
2: Comedy God bit.
11: You accept all of the petitions that you have heard from us this morning gathered
2: Father um, William really Marin if was
11: we ask you to remember all of our thoughts besides those uh, articulated. We ask you to be mindful of the groups that have been working this morning trying to solve some of the problems in the world. We ask you to help our
4: feeble we first heard about thirty families through an announcement at John the 23rd.
1: I was just wondering uh, what ways a group could do to uh, to foster some type of ordinance that might help uh, people.
4: Uh, 30 families is a group that hopes to obtain approximately 30 families to move back into an area that is integrating. Hoping to stop resegregation as it has happened in almost every place that a negro has moved into i have come to decide that you are not a christian unless you act that going to church on sunday uh you know you can go to church forever and not really be a christian i feel this is where john 23rd played uh an important part
1: the fact that there are negroes in the area and even a white person has problems
11: and so, conscious of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we praise you, Father, by saying together, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God
2: of hosts." What is his? What is his? Uh... Oh my goodness! Oh, is is Al? Is that what I'm trying to say? Oh, Chausable! Or... My gosh! i going something to realize I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> <It> says Pax. <laughs> is that what it says? Sort of yeah standing
1: finally that i've learned that people are important and it's only in dealing with eight people one person that you really do so enjoy. again not
2: everything social justice is bad
1: it, i, I tend to be a fan of
2: uh integration i think the catholic church has had a pretty a good track record considering how the heck we make priests um mm-hmm. our issues of segregation have been very american political they've not been universally catholic Um, so, yeah, no, not an issue with integration, but changing everything like this. Oh, here we go.
11: And again, giving thanks to his father in heaven, he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take all of you and drink of this, for this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant.
2: Nobody is kneeling, by the way. Of course not. Remember, the guy didn't even call it mass, he we called it a Sunday meeting. July
12: 23rd, we're kind of getting sick and tired of sitting back and watching the adults do all the work. So we decided that we were going to get our own group and go out and do something. Okay, now you kids know it.
4: This is Kumbaya. You want to try it? And this is Oh, and this is Lord. This is crying and shouting and praying. Okay. Start,
2: I hate this shot because black people had such funky music at this time period
12: slum area, and we play with the kids we've really never had this experience in other youth groups but here uh, at Java 23rd we can give of ourselves to the, the uh, members of the community and to well even these children here oh,
11: Behold the lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, speak but the word and my soul will be healed. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, speak but the word and my soul will be healed. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, speak but the word and my soul will be healed.
2: Oh, you ain't ready.
11: Like the body of Christ. Ray, the body of Christ. Call it's a
2: strange of hybrid, isn't it? Jap the body of it's Christ like the about body. to get bad, you know. I don't <laughs> I mean what you got to get bad? Oh. Oh, you better not. Do you see that? If many other forces weren't. She's like, horrible, dude.
11: Within the church and certainly one significant person. In this whole picture is Bishop Reed, whom I think stands today unrecognized. For people who say they're like, well, you're
2: criticizing, like, at least these people believe, surely, you know what I mean? It's a valid mass, surely, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's look it up. John, the 23rd community in uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. This
5: subject very carefully evolved certain ideas in regard to the formation of a parish structure that... Uh, would form a basis of experiment in some new mode of of community. It's it's well recognized that a bishop may exempt his people as a group from their uh, attendance at Mass at a particular parish church and all that is involved in this instance is that exemption, is that permission. Substantially, the church is the same now as always because her founder is the same and her mission to mankind is the same in every generation. But generations change, and as Pope John pointed out to the bishops in his address at the very beginning of the council, although the church remains the same, nevertheless, you see that kid sneaking a drink of soda? What
3: What was that?
2: I think (laughs) that was the kid just sneaking a drink of soda. In
5: order to be effective in the life of because man, it's a meal
2: dude what do you expect
5: must be <laughs> constantly upgraded got the, whole
11: world it is the church has got to allow the people to have meaning in their lives they are struggling for
2: it they're crying for it so it's i don't know something. if you if you yeah. heard but this bishop's expressing how these people have been exempt from their study obligation to kind of forge ahead this experimental way of however you want to call it. Mass would be way too good of a word. Uh, Sunday meeting, as the guy in the beginning said.
8: One of the questions which has come to the front for a great deal of discussion in the Catholic Church since the Vatican Council is the question of authority. Each year since I've been a bishop, I've been asked to conduct retreats for priests in one or two or three dioceses. And one of the things I do in these retreats is ask the priests to...
2: Oh, yes. Bishop right Shannon, Minneapolis, St. Paul, auxiliary right bishop.
8: ...discussed in a public open meeting, and in every one of these retreats that I've given, one of the questions that's very near the top of the list each time is the question of the proper relationship within the church to authorities. It is a big question. It's a cosmic question that cuts across many of the other questions in the church today, and I suppose the man who has... Uh, done the greatest amount of writing and research, and is one of the most respected voices in the Catholic Church on this subject today. Is Father John McKenzie, the Jesuit scholar who is professor of theology at Notre Dame University.
13: Catholics uh, in this country and in many other countries for the last hundred years or more have uh, lived fairly successfully. Father John McKenzie, the the SJ. SJ. Political Society, while they were members of a church with an absolute government. I'm not sure that this generation and the next will be able to do this quite as successfully. What they want to do is to support the church, and they do not believe that support can be thought of simply as submission. They are more educated, they are more independent, and really they are more interested what the church is and does they feel they have more to give than mere submission and if the church is impoverished if that is all that is asked of them we ought to realize that this desire
2: (laughs) you're quiet rudy what are you thinking
13: active members of the church
3: i'm just Uh, thinking you know i i I think... think I think this is a noble thing that they are proposing. Mm-hmm. They are asking the question of how do I, as a lay person, how can I contribute to the sanctification of the world? Because obviously at the end of the Mass, you know, the priest, if you go to the Latin Mass, you will hear the priest say, misa est," and then he's he's ushering the, the people to God into the world. Something happened here where where people realized, okay, I I just don't have as much of an effect on the world as I would like to. And so they're asking this question, how can I go out into the world and how can I like be an authoritative uh, representative of the church? But they're taking it too far. They're taking it way too far. We've seen it. We've seen it like time and time again. We've seen it in the liturgy where the 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 parts of the the liturgy that were uh representative of the priesthood have been given to the lay people we've seen it in we're seeing it today i mean you and i have a sort of part in this as well we've taken it upon ourselves to use our platforms to talk about uh all all kinds of different issues and even bring catechesis to different people and and i i think i think I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but like, I think we're very careful about it. However, there are people who are not so careful about it. And they're again, flipping this hierarchy of the church. Like you are not, you are not the authority of the church. You, You, you want to be the priest and you're, you're, inevitably just kind of destroying the priesthood you're destroying the church so mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to be sympathetic with what they're saying what their what their motivations are but I, i'm just thinking like man uh, so many years passed <laughs> i just wish that uh, they had they had considered the the long game instead of the short-term uh, feel-good solution that they well, that they it- wanted
2: that is also true and again i think that one of the greatest things the second vatican council ever did was this universal universal call of holiness of the lady mm-hmm. um, it's very clear that the holy spirit is using the lady nowadays because the clergy have become uh so misshapen is such in a bad way mm-hmm. um it is it's it's not by accident that generally speaking people who are looking for teaching of the church tend to go to lady isn't that weird we go to apologists and, and yeah professors, but we also go to regular people like us you know and we're, we're we're just a very small part we just do our little thing you know we're not like a dedicated catechesis all the time podcast far from it we're just giving mm-hmm. our experiences but um even that's interesting i think that's because for a lot of people um on one hand you know i don't you know, the, the the priest has a very particular role in his parish and in society. And I'm I'm fine with him kind of being our general and charging the lady into what the mission is, but we're the ones who obviously have to take it into our families and into society at yeah. large. Um so I do think like in terms of so again, like with with civil rights and stuff you'll see in this, I don't think it's it's not the church's business and therefore not the lady's business to talk mm-hmm. about very american issues right racial segregation uh war nuclear proliferation like these things were topical for the day um they still Mm -hmm. to to extents are topical today but of course the church should you know if if this does come to the matter of the church's attention she should have an authority to speak about evils of the world and condemn such things um and charge the lady with doing some good uh in our times we have uh, but as you said, the problem is that we've gone so overboard. So in this whole thing, which is on church authority, um, we have Father Ripperger diagnosis. He diagnosed this in regards to the traditional movement, but he knows that it's just a symptom of the Second Vatican Council. He said that the problem of today's era is that the lady have become ungovernable. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, that's true. I don't like that we do treat the words of bishops and priests and and popes with skepticism, but you kind of have to. And I hope that one day there's a, there's a, <laughs> right. I, and I hope that one day there's an open, there's a more open understanding of it. Like obviously we're not peasants, right? We we have rights and obligations as Catholics, and uh traditionalists. We make a mistake thinking that like this is how the ultramontanist position and the and the legalist position that these guys talk about that the tech the manualists that Nick talked about. This is how this got in. It's like, well, my priest said so, and therefore that just must be it. It's like. For the sake of your soul, you probably want to double check. Sometimes, here's uh, yeah. what happened in this era, right? People went to mass and they said, "I thought the church couldn't change," and the same priest who told them that for decades told them, "Actually, it is, and you need to suck up and you need to go with it," and because we're the authority.
13: <laughs> Their field in which to exercise its leadership. It's very hard to generalize about the American hierarchy. One rather recent development which I know bishops don't like, is that criticizing bishops seems to have become one of our major indoor and outdoor sports. Yeah, it is. I think we ought to remember that our bishops themselves grew up in a certain church structure. Their education occurred within this church structure. Their previous experience has all occurred within this given church structure. It is precisely that which seems to be for modification. And this development is wholesome. It's not a threat to church authority at all. It's not a danger. It should mean that the church will be more what it ought to be and more what it can be, both for its members and for the world at large. In the new church,
8: bishops,
3: religious... Supporters... I just want to pause here also need... and just mention this is exactly what Archbishop Lefebvre mentioned in contra to what was going on. He said, you know, we all grew up together. We all went to the same school. We were taught the same thing. And all of a sudden you're telling me overnight that 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 actually isn't what we're going to continue doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that (laughs) I'm glad he mentioned that because he's talking about, you know, all of these bishops, they grew up in the same church structure. Well, yes, it's true. Why is it all of a sudden overnight just being changed?
2: Well, don't you think? And this is how we know that it's not something that just happened. It, you, the changes happened extremely rapidly, but this has been sinking in for decades at this point, especially in mm-hmm. this country. Lefebvre knows that too in France. I mean, when he writes open letter to confuse Catholic, I mean, the amount of suffering he talks about in relation to his beloved France, is you. It, it breaks your heart, it really does. And yeah. um, my thing is very simple. It's like, what do I expect? What do I expect to my bishop? What do I expect to my priest? What do I expect to my Pope as a Catholic? I don't expect mm-hmm. my bishop, I, I understand that our bishop, it'd be nice to have our bishop Archbishop Aquila come out and protest and pray in front of Planned Parenthood. But I don't expect him to, you know, mm-hmm. um, we did our, our podcast on the lady's job because we had the situation where church property was actually being attacked. This is a very direct attack on Holy Mother Church, and needs to be addressed by lady and clergy alike. And Bishop Barron's initial response of that's the lady's job. Well, we want to be led, you know? We don't want a lady led church here. That's not what we're asking for. Um, And this is the problem we see. It's like people we've, and Synodality is doing this, right? This attempt to democratize the church, democracy is not an inherent good over monarchy, over hierarchy, but the church works well in its hierarchical positions. But that doesn't mean that we A, just let the priests and the bishops just deal with everything and lady just sit back. And the opposite is also not true, right? That we let the lady do everything and that they just get to sit back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a very delicate symbiotic relationship. And oftentimes we have to remember that, especially in the early church, the bishop was martyred right alongside his faithful. And I think that that's what we mean when we say that the shepherd needs to smell like the sheep. Um, bishops should not be locked away in their high tower, right? They shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be like the German bishop, right, who sit back in their their estates, millions and millions of dollars in wealth and meanwhile let the the average german catholic suffer not even let him go to mass um, and on the flip side we do not want the the average lady dictating listening right telling the church what exactly it needs to be that's that's not what christ set up well very interesting
8: Tend today to think of the virtue of obedience on the part of a priest not only is that quality whereby he obeys orders and works cooperatively as a member of the parish or the diocese or the church, but also as the virtue which would incline a priest in proper fashion and with respect to express his own opinions to his bishop, to his diocesan senate, making recommendations for changes in procedures or techniques. In other words, stressing a twofold aspect of obedience, not just compliance but obedience as compliance with decisions that have been made, but obedience which also inclines a respectful priest within the community of the diocese or the religious order to share his thoughts.
2: I mean, that's true. His
8: recommendations, his desires with his bishop. We'll rule in
7: favor of freedom. We'll discuss it. The chair recognizes microphone
8: number. this next
2: part pay close attention Whereas the
7: church's mission
8: is to the whole world without regard to race creed color or natural na- national origin be it resolved that it is the mind of the ACP that service institutions of the Archdiocese of Chicago for example schools hospitals etc be open to all without regard to race creed or color be it further resolved that those who do or who would like to avail themselves of these facilities not be forced to undergo in- undergo instructions in the Roman Catholic faith, or be forced to attend Roman Catholic worship services as conditions to the use of these facilities.
10: Many.
2: So I want to pause right there. Um, what we—it's it, a very brief little point. It's one of the most revolutionary things that's happened, actually, in this piece. In the 60s, after the Second Vatican Council, um, Catholic schools were opened up across this nation, across the world. But what happened is that you didn't have to be a Catholic or be instructed in the Catholic faith to attend uh, a Catholic school. You didn't have to attend mass, for instance. Um, Let's fast forward 60 years, Rudy. What do we see?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I mean... You know, Maria just turned one last week and we're, we're starting to think about schooling and I would never send. And this is the sad thing that I'm, this is very uh, sad thing that I'm about to say. I would never send my my kids to a Catholic school. I mean, even if it were, I don't know, I have a hard time thinking of sending a kid, my kids to a Catholic school because. If the, if the schools now don't make it a priority to teach anybody the faith, what is the point of sending your kids there? If they are going to be taught uh, the greatest academics, that's great, you know, but what about the care for their soul? And I'm seeing this video here and they're just kind of like all cheering and laughing and this is like, what are you doing? Do you not really, again, this is just a point I want to emphasize, like, did you not think about the 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 future what the future would hold for for this particular decision like it just it just baffles the mind Mm -hmm.
2: you know you're completely true Uh, you're completely right i mean to say um there's again there's these delicate balances of gone too far on one hand it is good for the the catholic church's mission the first law of the church is what it's the salvation of souls what is a catholic education supposed to do we can learn math, science and histories and arts. We can make a Renaissance man or a classical education, whatever it is. But if we don't learn at the heart of it, that these things are imprints of the divine nature in us, and specifically it's of Christ and it's his church who has the authority to teach the world, then we've completely lost the point. Then it's no wonder that unfortunately there are Catholic schools now who are stripped of their Catholic status because <laughs> of, of so many horrible, heretical, blasphemous things there are catholic schools that have been turned into nothing but prep schools for college they've been akin to private schools um we have since we've lost the teaching sisters and everything right catholic schools have become expensive and fussy and they don't even impart the faith so kids going to catholic school i mean i have i have um there are people i know who've gone to catholic school and they went all their life and they don't know anything about the catholic faith it was never it was never taught to them right they might have learned a thing or two in a junior theology class right just trash reading and everything so unfortunately i think that you're very much right and um you know again on one hand the church it's good that the church goes to different cultures and peoples and teach and and, mm-hmm. and sets up schools it's actually one of the first things we used to do as missionaries right we'd set up schools so obviously like you can't expect your huron boy to be baptized before he uh he attends schools with the with uh the Isaac jog and and the the jesuits up there right um but the point is that this is all holistic. This is all supposed to be illumination of our soul, our faith and our reason working together. And by opening up Catholic schools and laughing about the fact that a kid doesn't have to be Catholic throughout all and will never be challenged about the faith, will never be invited into the richness of the faith, which is what's happening. Um, it's one of the greatest tragedies we could possibly imagine. We, we have destroyed the faith of Otherwise Catholic children. And we've never even invited in people who have no faith or have never been baptized whatsoever. The last thing I'll say is I, I had a, we had some friends over, um, some, some Jen's, a Jen or her coworker and her boyfriend over. And mm-hmm. we were talking and it was a really, really deep conversation. This guy doesn't really have a lot of religious faith or anything, but he did say something interesting to me and I, I didn't really press into it because we were on a different topic. But, um, I mentioned how with the work that I do, um, you know as a catholic this is what i look at and look at it and this is how catholic kind of view the world and he told me that he had gone to catholic school now i don't know how long he'd gone or anything but um mm-hmm. i don't think that he knew the catholic faith right he might have gone to catholic school but he didn't know the catholic faith and this is this is probably one of the worst decisions that has come out uh following the changes Is it's one thing that you can oh it's good to open up the catholic school to all sorts of people's if we have the fervent basis to share the love of Christ and to be genuine and authentic and legitimately dogmatic about it, it's a damn shame, it really is.
8: Priests are reviewing their own identity and the role which they serve in the church and are finding uh, an unexpected kind of tension be- between what I would call a tra- an original tradition hey. that put greater focus on the the prayer life and the life of piety of the individual priest than on service in the secular realm in a ghetto, in the city in a rural community in the country in a very (laughs) rapidly
2: changing
0: dynamic social situation let me say a few things first of all I'm a man and also a
2: priest I'm
0: concerned about injustice it is my role as a priest to condemn injustices wherever I see a
3: cigarette in his hand, yeah. You better believe it,
0: man. Although I will not have any part of teaching brotherhood without justice, because to me, this is sheer pietism and it's a, a really a horrible way of distorting the teachings of Jesus Christ. All I do is speak out of what I see. I live in the black community. I see children hungry every day. I see children being deprived of a good education. I see children uh, receiving improper medical attention. I see children going to bed every night and I know there's a danger of them being bitten by rats. I see uh, uh, black people who are being deprived of their dignity as men because of the tremendous amount of discrimination in our society. I think that a, a certain amount of creative tension is needed in the Catholic Church as it is needed in the entire Christian community. Now you're asking, what do I think about the Catholic Church? To tell you the truth, I don't even think about it. I live in a a poverty situation where I look at the black poor every day. That man is the man that concerns me. He determines all of my actions. His sensitivities are the ones that I am concerned about. What happens in the church because I am concerned about the black poor doesn't bother me. If I am doing the work of Christ, whatever result that comes forth must be good.
8: The new era of permissiveness, for example, or of freedom of discussion, which has not been characteristic, by and large, of the climate of opinion within the Church in recent decades, has given rise to a whole new style of of discussing openly and freely many questions which have not been discussed openly and freely in the past. One of them is the question of the celibacy of the priesthood.
10: I'm Bob Duggan. Till last November I was a diocesan priest in New York, stationed in a parish in Westchester, and before that in a poverty area on the Lower East Side. I've also worked and studied in Rome uh, in the field of canon law. Last November I resigned from the diocese, I'm now on leave of absence and I'm working with the National Association for Pastoral Renewal, a group of mainly priests but with many laymen who have raised the discussion in the Catholic Church of clerical celibacy and seek to raise for public discussion many of the issues that were spoken of before in whispers, quietly, secretly, but which we feel should be spoken of in public so that there can be the wisdom of all of the members of the faith participating so that we can arrive at a deeper understanding of the role of priesthood, the role of marriage, of the role of the individual priest in his society as a person. The Catholic Directory for this year will indicate for the first time a decrease in the number of Catholic priests in the United States.
2: Well, you don't say.
10: Priests are leaving the ministry <laughs> for many, many reasons, and clerical celibacy is a symptom of a much deeper problem of identity in the role of the priest in society today. We feel that the public discussion of these things will give us a greater understanding of the role of the priest, will give us a greater understanding of the meaning of Christian community, of the relationship that exists between the people and the priest and the whole life of the church as it moves into an entirely new age. One so for Ops Note.
2: Thoughts, Rudy?
3: <sighs> yeah, it's <laughs> funny. We're still talking about this thing, right? I mean, yeah. we're still talking about celibacy. Yeah. And there's so many different... Um, I, I I can't speak to why there was a drop in priests at that particular moment. I think maybe it was because a lot of these ideas in the church were cheapening the the role of the priest maybe that i think that would be my interpretation of the situation as to why people weren't why men weren't interested in becoming priests at that point but uh now we talk about celibacy as if it's if it it's it's an impediment to these people to these men i i still don't see how that would be you know, for so many, so many hundreds of years, priests would enter willingly knowing that, that celibacy was a thing and they lived out that celibacy heroically. They did it in a way that separated them, made them special. And I just think it's funny, you know, when they have a a, a shot of this guy, they put his name down and it says, former priest. no. You're a priest forever. <laughs> mm, mm. You're still You're a priest marked, forever in the son. order of Melchizedek. <laughs> Your soul is marked, son. You yeah. can't just walk away. Yeah, no it's a vocation. You run away.
2: Yeah, it's a vocation. Um, you know, again. First off, it, well, the Catholic Church does have married priests. Technically, there are other rites that do this. If we interview other rites about this, a lot of a lot of them, there are still a lot of priests who don't get married in other rites. And those that do, yeah. life is not just like a whole thing. Imagine being really like a parish priest and you have your office and you have mass and you have set times and stuff. And then also you have to worry about family life. I mean, but jordan i mean like
3: you and i are both married like just imagine adding that layer on top of our our life that's insane
2: priests don't make enough to support a family first off that's not what their vocation is they're they're called to be deployed to different areas if they must be to uproot that on top of that to have a wife are you kidding me (laughs) uh our priests at Carmel. one of those things one of those things is going to suffer Either yeah, your one wife of going to or suffer. your ministry. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it changes again, it changes the nature of what the Catholic Church does. This is a reason this is this for me is a primary reason. Um, obviously there's there's different theological approaches that may help this. but the Catholic Church tends to be more evangelistic than the Orthodox. And I think one of the reasons why is because we are not afraid to deploy, to take the heroic chastity of the priest, which St. Paul talks about. This is funny, this isn't something that's just the medieval church dreamed up. St. Paul talks about the higher calling is celibacy in priesthood. Um, it's not to say that that married life is bad, but there is a hierarchy to these sorts of things. Because you are obviously giving up something, your natural self for the supernatural is how St. Paul ties into it. Yeah. So, you know, again, I don't, I'm not saying that it should be across the entirety of the Catholic Church that there are uh, celibate priests. I think that'd be an interesting thing to examine, but I love how different rites have different customs. I get that this is the discipline of the church, but I don't think the issue would be solved if you could have a married priest. There are, we are, we're dealing with the fact of we're dealing with so much fornication and pornography and and homosexuality, and marriage is not a fix of any of these sorts of things. And contraception, oh my yeah. gosh, and contraception through the roof. So marriage is not the solver of these sorts of things. I think that actually, especially for the Roman Catholic, right, it would it would exacerbate a lot of issues. It seems to me, and we know this because obviously we look at how many priests are being trained in the traditional rites. You know. Um, And i think that's something and i think that part of that is that they have to discover the bonds of fraternity which i think priests very much do need i'm not in favor of priests going off one i think this is why christ himself says to go off two by two but Mm -hmm. also i think that we are seeing just the joys of what an authentic relationship with our lord and sharing that with with living amongst your 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 sheep so to speak really looks like for the priest um marriage does not solve these sorts of things yeah Also, God bless priests and bachelors. Let's go. (laughs) Our father Nolan is such a bachelor. I love it.
11: (laughs) Celibacy. uh, But as far as I'm concerned, I uh, enjoy very much what I'm doing. Uh, I think it's very important. And I could not see how I could possibly get married and do the kind of a job that I would want to do for my wife and children. Uh, that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of thoughtfulness.
2: And I mean, I right like the way he celebrates Mass, but he's right on on, on this, this
4: one.
11: Time, uh, <laughs> with, uh, work in the church. And so uh, celibacy fits me perfectly.
1: I think the opportunity should be made, you know, for the priest to um, marry if he so desires.
11: The day may come when I'll accept it.
13: <laughs>
11: That's uh, about the best I
1: can say. A year ago, I would have just said horrors, and today, now, I, I probably will be able to accept it.
10: I think the priest would lose the respect, a lot of the respect that people have always given in the past. And I think that if priests began to get married, I think I would kind of be lose them.
11: They should be allowed to be married. I think that the uh, they can only only give intelligent guidance to married couples and to people with questions about sex and marriage and that type of thing. That they have to be married to have a qualified answer.
3: That guy is a coombrain. <laughs> you can oh, tell. You oh can no. tell. He's a coombrain. Oh no. He's like, how are they going to tell us about sex? I know. Like, dude, is that your priority in life? Like, it's really come on
8: <laughs> at the present time on several levels in the church. There are reasonable doubts and questions about whether we should give our allegiance to some traditions of the past which have been required of us or to the new directions asked by the Second Vatican (laughs) Council. The decree on the uh, religious life calls for a review by all of the religious orders of their constitution, their regulations, their bylaws, their, their code of life. They are being asked... To engage in a democratic process seeking the counsel of all members of the community on whether or not this religious community is keeping faith today with its original purpose. The implementation of that decree is giving rise to new tensions within the church. For example, in Los Angeles, the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary.
14: Many people are curious to know how.
8: <laughs>
2: This next section is, I think, one of the saddest ones. But all I want to say before we begin it is this. These are the sisters who taught Charles clone. So if you go back to our episode, the ones who voted to ditch their habits, these are the Immaculate Heart sisters. They are, they are at present, um, there was a lawsuit years ago. Katy Perry was trying to buy like their old convent place. And people were like, oh, they're trying to kick these nuns out. It's horrible. There was only three of them left at the time. So <laughs> don't want to spoil it, but I just spoiled it. Like, let's see how this went.
14: A chapter and its decisions come about. We were told in the instruction issued by Pope Paul VI in the fall of 1966 that each community was responsible for a special chapter of affairs and we began as soon as the invitation was issued to announce to the community at large to our 540 members that we wanted to have our chapter of affairs in the summer of 1967 almost immediately we began to form commissions study groups which would begin to talk about the chief issues in religious life to issue questionnaires to the sisters to conduct interviews and in every way possible to do what Pope Paul VI had suggested to renew the spirit and form of religious life.
2: How'd that work out, Pope Paul VI?
14: Have been deeply interested in education ever since their foundation in 1848. And in their work in California, uh, they have been deeply involved in innovation and uh, new methods of education. One of the sisters who is most deeply involved in the renewal program and is a member of the special general chapter to which I referred is Sister Mary Corita Kent. Uh, She is certainly a most gifted artist, well-known outside our own community, but she's also a most creative teacher and a beloved member of our community. Uh, I think that Sister Corita draws much of her inspiration from the community, and she herself is one of the first to admit this. Um, it's not just that she brings us her gifts, which she does most generously, but that our sister teachers...
2: The youngest people in this documentary, like the kids, the they're approaching 70 right now.
14: A richness of personality. If they're not there already, they probably to are. To the immaculate heart atmosphere. I think the, the part in the center section with the leaves um, has a kind of life to it. Uh, I feel terribly... Um, Designs or something Gosh, what a really.
2: kitschy era.
14: That is part of the life that I just see hate in the style of the 60s. I'm sorry. The which is like those skinny, straight
2: ties and everything, and, so the, just, and the I just the patterns. I just don't know. I just don't like very it. Much <laughs>
14: serve people today, and who want to make themselves relevant. And of course, I suppose that leads us directly into the question of the habit. Those of us who have changed into contemporary clothing I think would find it very difficult to return to the habit. And that's not because we didn't uh, reverence the habit when we wore it, when we received it and that we haven't cherished it all these years. But somehow now with the changing into contemporary clothing, the habit has become a symbol of a whole system of uniformity and conformity in which we no longer believe as we did before. Um, I personally would find it very difficult to return. Uh, We all wear a Christian symbol uh, which distinguishes us in some way, but we like very much the notion that we can become relevant to our society and really enter into our society and participate in it wholeheartedly without being in any way set apart. We have come to serve, not to be served, and so uh, we prefer to be dressed this way. The clothing before was... A uh, kind of costume as we look back on it sometimes the medieval costume <laughs> and uh, we prefer to be thought of as women of a century that we are deeply interested in and to which we belong we at Imagine- feel that, we what should is dedicate that ourselves to those aspects of oh, life
3: dear! To- hang on pause pause I'm, I'll go back 10 seconds did this sister did she create do you remember she- the nativity scene that came out last year
2: Oh, like yeah, space invaders. I, I mean, I think Did she make probably, that she's probably gone to eternal reward, but no doubt there are acolytes. Yikes. Uh,
3: again, you know, the, she's saying we we want to be we want to serve the people we we, we don't want to be set apart. Well, literally, that's what religious life is. Mm. That's what religious life always has been. You're setting yourself apart for a greater purpose and taking off your habit isn't going to help you achieve that uh this 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 unity with the lady, or um uh, help your service with the lady. it really it just means that you're you're indistinguishable from them, and that's mm-hmm. not that's not really what is
2: helpful It's not helpful at all. I mean I just the medieval costume line, I think about this all the time, it's like one of the one of the reasons that young men discern altar serving and priesthood, especially in the Latin mass, right, is because of how it looks in our brains we get it right for a lot of sisters Mm -hmm. so let's take a look at these religious orders the orders that ditch the habits they're dying they're dead in many cases it's it's a it's a terribly unfortunate situation but these are the seeds of it we we've seen they had a whole community of nuns Right, those were a lot of nuns we saw in plain clothes they look like just regular women out in the 60s but what happened people said okay well if if you can dress regularly, if you can talk regularly, if you can act regularly, if you can do all these kinds of things, why would I want to give up? Uh, why would I want to give up celibacy, <laughs> right? Like, why would I, what would I, what would I gain from being a sister exactly? I love Charles yeah, why would
3: I want to join you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> why do I want to join you? It's like, you're already, you're one of us. Why should I go to your side? You've already come to my side.
3: You and know? the result is that religious vocations are just completely abysmal. Nobody <laughs> joins the religious vocations mm-hmm. anymore. And even worse, you know, like uh have you uh have you looked into Ron's, which was the 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 decree from the pope that basically forces them to confederate with different uh Yeah. Different Is this the one's that hit
2: the Carmelites pretty hard. I think it was Carmelites that hit pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm.
3: it's even worse today because the charisms of each individual religious order are now being quashed. They're just being forced to just kind of get together and and you know, if one one federation says, oh yeah, we don't want the habit.
2: Then they might have to follow it. Yeah. They might follow it. And it's like, what does this do? It completely kills any sort of interest. We are humans are deeply mystical. We're deeply mystical creatures. Even those who do not have any faith whatsoever, as in experienced in my time in Hollywood are deeply mystical. If you had the most secular Hollywood Jew, uh, (laughs) atheists, if you, if you said to them, I want you to shoot a Catholic scene, they don't believe that the Second Vatican Council happened. They don't believe that the Immaculate Heart Sisters changed their habits. Look at the posters from movies like The Nun, right? Where they're full on habited still. And we you mean the uh the horror movie. Yeah, the horror movie. Like I use this as an example <laughs> because obviously it's a trash film but it's scary because she's wearing a habit yeah but the habit does something for us we know that it's we know that it's otherworldly now oftentimes as catholics we express a hiding a love for this thing but if you're going to make a nun look scary put him in a habit and you know make him evil makeup (laughs) or whatever right the flying penguin thing i mean this is the, the reality is that we are deeply mystical people and you can see this is what modernism does its first seat is to simply destroy the supernatural realities that exist in our normal stuff, right? The modernists would say that, oh, a scapular is a nice piece of garment, you know, cool. it's a little scratchy, I didn't really like it. And also like, let's be real here. Our lady did not appear to give this thing to a saint. Um, these, these prayers are kind of outdated. It's very medieval, whatever. Uh, Jesus, you know, okay, it's kind of pious. It's nice to think that the fishes and the loaves multiplied, but we have science now that simply didn't happen. Um, instead, he taught the people how to share. Rudy, have you seen the the cardinal, right? The guy asked the cardinal after the synod, will sodomy still be considered a sin? Have you seen that video? No. What? Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll do a, we'll, we'll take a pause and, and do that later because I'll show you this, but that's a reality. What he, the cardinal's response is that, um, you know, the Bible also tells us that the, uh, Earth revolved or the sun revolved around the earth and these other kinds of things. So it's about interpretation instead of saying Mm. there are sins that cry out for vengeance. This is a Cardinal who says this, right? So, this is the, this is one of the deep rooted errors of, of modernism. It's that we look at our ancestors and we say, they were pious, but pretty ignorant, uneducated people who believed in fairies mm-hmm. and old guys with beards in the sky and everything frightened them, <laughs> but now we have reason and it's just a medieval costume. It doesn't have any supernatural grace. There's not a reason, why, a deeply spiritual reason and obviously physical reason why we wear these things or do these things or pray the office or offer mass ad orientum or or have communion on the tongue it, it's all relative essentially it's a, yeah. it's a garbage way to look at the world and also a garbage way to do art <laughs> Feel
14: that we should dedicate ourselves to those aspects of life to which the christian mind and heart are drawn the burning issues of peace poverty race relations the missions of healing comforting counseling, the challenge of expanding the imagination of man, and the joy of helping him to celebrate. Perhaps it is for us as dedicated women... Um,
2: Meghan Markle went to the Immaculate Heart School, so just in case you want to see how a Catholic education is doing with these little sisters <laughs> remain. <sisters laughs>
14: ...to engage in, it, in a genuine search for an encounter with God.
2: I just hate i hate 60s folk music black pill i freaking hate it because i've lived my entire mass life with it this <laughs> gives me ptsd except peter paul and mary they can stay that's okay <laughs> that's it no bob dylan no nothing He's like, why? why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are those? It's like, what? Uh oh. Back in Oklahoma. hmm. Ah, Bishop McGinnis High School.
12: Many sisters, I think, for many years, especially sisters who've been in the convent for a decade or two, have begun to think, actually, that they could be better sisters if they were out of the convent. And many sisters who have left the convent have left, not because they did not want to be sisters, but because they did want to be sisters.
2: Well, there are and plenty so of like sisters who be don't, sisters who aren't convented like that. By
12: the structure. And often I think sisters feel that there is not sufficient freedom to make a choice. In religious life about how they will serve or even about their own person how i as a unique individual need to serve according to my temperament which is after all one of god's first gifts to me
3: okay well you had to discern that before going into a particular religious order so that's your fault
2: right Right. Well, and it's about, yeah, yes, God does give us our temperaments. These are, these are beautiful personalities that he has given us. Um, and then he also has permitted for the flourishing of many different religious charisms. So um, I know for a fact that if I ever chose religious life, which I'm <laughs> currently not obviously planning to, Uh, I don't think I could, I don't think I'd be very good at contemplative life, for instance, although maybe that's what God Mm -hmm. would call me to do because that's clearly my weakness. But I know that I'd be way too restless of a contemplative to, to do that. I'd, I'd much rather be a, a a fire, a firebrand missionary. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm sorry, Jordan,
3: you're going to have to join a, a uh, cloister and uh, no talking. You can't talk ever again. Gosh,
2: no, you Silent know it's, just, it's all melancholics in there that love that stuff. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> sanguine clerics do not go to such places. God has allowed this, right? Because after all, God is a sanguine. He, he just must be.
12: Into small groups, still working in a dedicated cell oh, I like that
2: car, by the way. <laughs> so
12: can At least they could afford it back solo, then. And unique.
2: They could afford a car on a nun's salary. <laughs> <laughs>
12: had the fallacy that the only way to be a sister was to be one in a giant institution where you found often that instead of based serving the i know right world, which was your ideal when you entered you were serving the system we call groups of people who live under the same rule a community community means a kind of a sharing of one's personhood one's talents and the way one stands in front of god and this cannot be done with uh, several hundred or several. Thousand.
2: I would have changed their habits. Whatever, that'd be unacceptable. <laughs> be <laughs> I'm just playing. Share a playing So yeah, so these nuns now live in community in a little house in Oklahoma. In
12: small groups, most of them without much publicity at all, just very quiet.
3: Small so like, what did you guys do today?
2: So anyway, so, anyway back set to set Fifty to Shades of Grey.
4: <laughs> don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. Through the grace of God, we have different gifts. If our gift is preaching, let us preach to the limit of our vision. If it is serving others, let us concentrate on our service. If it is teaching, let us give all we have to our teaching. And if our gift be the stimulating of the faith of others, let us set ourselves to it.
12: We do know that other people do want to join this group and it will be uh, essential for us to keep the group small. So when other members are are you know belonging to it, then probably we will break down again into other smaller uh, groups, so that we can keep these two things very authentic and very non-rigid, very unstructured.
2: Non-rigid, Rudy.
12: And and you we hold,
2: Freaking
3: uh, skizzy. That way, also most Christian. Dude, God, I'm so rigid God, I can't, God, I can't dance. Us. <laughs> I feel so stiff most of the time. uh-huh
12: that concern people outside our group and um, help us to do what um, Paul advises us in uh, the look at those
2: miniatures again. on the table. <laughs> I know, it's, dude it's it's not derogatory to say this stuff is so boomer because these literally are boomers <laughs> well actually these these ladies might actually be like oh they might be yeah they might be like the first generation really, but
5: well, in regard to the. Sisters, I feel that they are, by and large, going through a period of considerable tension, and uh, that many of the sisters who leave the recognized religious groups still wish to devote themselves or dedicate themselves to the work of the church. I feel if there's anything the church needs, it is dedication. You see, on the part the church. uh, uh, religion can't very well get along without dedication on the part of people on the part of groups on the part of individuals and uh, i feel that as long as the persons involved are persons of good reputation and their expressed intentions are good those in authority should permit them again to experiment and perhaps find a new and better way in which <laughs> to serve interesting the cut than that to which they have <laughs> been accustomed and in which they have found some personal difficulties.
12: You were talking about the difference between just being in the school with a lot of white kids and accepted so in the class. They yet.
10: have this kind of deal down tussle, mm-hmm. you know, between T. Washington and the uh, all-white school down mm-hmm. there. Holland and,
12: Hall, was it?
10: Yes. In and in in <coughs> the paper said the white kids walked away and they said, i finally realized Negro just like me, uh-huh. you know.
12: We call ourselves Sisters for Christian Service. And it's been interesting to us that many other communities have formed have used the words service and community in their titles. Those are the two key words to describe the framework for the new religious communities of this sort that we are trying to make. Because many sisters feel like they have not given service or have not been enabled to give service that's valid or really is needed most desperately or is most honest in terms of their own temperament. In this way, they can choose their own service. There is no one to say, You fill this slot. They simply see the need and then determine what they can do to uh, fulfill that need.
2: The mere plight is already said. Yeah.
8: In our current efforts for review and renewal in the Catholic Church, we have, of course, the great advantage of having many other friends who, although not members of the church... Oh, here we go. ...reliable observers and wise persons to counsel us in this period of renewal. One of them is mm-hmm. a very distinguished scholar at Perkins School of Divinity at Southern Methodist University in Texas... Oh, the Methodist. Oh, thank
2: Alton, God. Oh, great. He was one of the... Yeah, he's one, one, one of the God Protestant God. observers at the Second Vatican Council.
1: As we try to look ahead toward the future... Uh, it is best to remember. God that, bless old uh, school Methodists. Listen to that, voice. Times for prognosticators. Uh, in uh, any case, uh, it seems reasonably certain that uh, there are difficulties uh, in the days ahead uh, in the Catholic Church uh, and in Christendom uh, in general. And yet, I see the future uh, as a more hopeful um, prospect than some of my. Uh, uh, fellow Protestants, or some of my Catholic friends, because it seems to me that now the Roman Catholic Church has opened its heart and its arms and its mind uh, to the world, to the new spirit of uh, freedom um, and um, uh, liberty in the world. It means the Church is going it to is. make it
3: liberty make
1: it, uh, in the spirit uh, of freedom, persuasion, love, brotherhood.
3: So then he joined. He became he became a Catholic, right?
2: Oh, I'm sure.
3: This <laughs> actually slaps. <laughs>
2: Shut up, Reid. Yeah, Rudy. I'm trying to read some of these signs. It's kinda of hard to see because of the footage. Hooray, Jesus. Oh, that was in.
3: It's also the terrible mid-century font
2: that they're I know. Using. <laughs> it's hard to read. Oh my gosh. Rudy, what do you think of the new American Catholic?
3: Uh man, it was hard to get through that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I guess overall I, I, I again I think we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. As traditionalists, we owe people the benefit of the doubt. We can't just go out swinging all the time. Something that my boss and I talk about a lot, you know, we're trying to meet people where they are but challenge them, not just leave them there, challenge them to something more, to question mm-hmm. why is why is the church the way it is right now? Why are we in a crisis? That sort of thing. I think we have different opinions on the crisis, the level of crisis, what you have to do, obedience and that sort of thing. But Nonetheless, I think we owe the people the benefit of the doubt. I think some of the issues that they were really passionate about were things that, yeah, the church has a a way of of interpreting those things and and bringing people to Christ. However, I think that this documentary shows the micro, in a microcosm sort of way what really happened over over these these past years people took it way too far and now we're seeing the fruits of all of this this train of thinking that we just witnessed what do you
2: think jordan that is precisely right and it's like you know there are some there are some changes there's some you know again i think that it was the right time to call a council um i think council went off the rails and what i imagine it would have just generally wanted to talk about but i'm not going to pretend that there's not um, some things that need to be addressed there's some good things that a campus came out of Catholics wanting to engage the world and open up the doors and all these other buzzwords that we hear about um but we did we opened up a window and sometimes you let a queer bird in. and so as you wind down I just I want to do a quick recap of of where are they now real quick this is a crisis magazine article <laughs> and um I just want to just be very very quick and this is what we hear um, let's start with Donald Thorman, who is a publisher of the National Catholic Reporter. You heard us tease it as a National Catholic disorder because some of its articles are uh, well, not Catholic, so we say. Uh, but uh, it says here this: it says in his obituary a few years later, the New York Times described Thorman's newspaper as uncowed by the church's sometimes conservative hierarchy and has published many articles pro and con on such controversial matters as birth control, celibacy, the virginity of Mary, and the mora- morality of the Vietnam War. Uh, so that's why his local, their local bishop asked them to drop uh, the word Catholic from their title. Um, Yikes. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're kind of getting at. Next up, let's move to a uh, Bishop James Patrick Shannon. This was the one oh. out of what was that?
3: No, no, no. I was gonna say after that, I was looking at at the the part oh, where it says that James Grappi, that said he he was a priest that said, <laughs> "You asked me what I think about the Catholic Church, I'll tell you the truth. I don't even think about really it." Good. Yeah. His his outcome is pretty funny, but go <laughs> yeah. ahead with yeah. So, so bishop, uh, James Patrick. bishop,
2: so again, a bishop. This is important. A bishop, Bishop James Patrick Shannon, Saint Paul, Minnesota. Um, so he thought the church's birth control teaching was rigid and it ought to be acceptable within marriage. He resigned his bishopric in protest over humanae vitae a year later he married and was laicized so wow seek semper tyrannis let's move on to our beloved father (laughs) Garoppi. father Garoppi was one who lived in in the ghetto right he was was that one with a cigarette Mm -hmm. in his mouth um (laughs) he left he later left the church got married and studied for the episcopal priesthood he spent his last years as a bus driver in milwaukee uh when he died he was the head of the bus drivers union so <laughs> how's this whole spirit of change working out for us let's go on to sister uh, anita caspery uh, who's a mother superior of the sisters of the immaculate heart of mary she was that one who was at the desk um so uh she called the costume blah 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 the new york times described caspery as The one-time Mother Superior who led the largest single exodus of nuns from the Roman Catholic Church in American history. The inevitable sordid end of the congregation she helped destroy involved the last five decrepit sisters and a lawsuit involving pop star Katy Perry over a $14 million mansion in Los Angeles. So here's the thing. In that time, we're talking about from when Charles Clone was in school to now, the Immaculate Heart Sisters, who are one of the strongest orders of nuns, and probably the strongest order of nuns in Los Angeles, certainly, one of the strongest in California, certainly, one of the most healthy in the United States, um, they're gone. They are, they are a, they're a footnote in history, essentially. They were, at the time of like, Katy Perry's lawsuit, almost a decade ago, there was, four, there was five of them. So this is the world that we live in, right? This is the fruit of the council so to speak. Um, I'd love to see what what happened to Father uh, Nared. Um, But that's what breaks my heart. It's that these people were so happy or joyful, and they thought they could change everything. And they went the way that mainline Protestant went. These priests, these bishops left the faith, right? Look at that to to the Episcopal Church, heaven's sake to be a bus driver, right? They continue to destroy in a lot of places and the faith of millions of people, millions of people throughout the 60s, 70s and the 80s. And even today, of course, was lost. It was completely destroyed in this whirlwind of happiness and joy in springtime. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the world. And that's why it's important to listen to them in their own words. What did they set out to do? Did they accomplish some of it? Did they not? Um, I don't want to end this one case subscriber special on a downer. But this is this is the reason why we are traditional Catholics. Um, Yeah, we don't want to we're not going back to the 50s. We're not going back to before the council. We are the church as it has always existed, The the beautiful teachings and tradition of the church, which is exists perennially, it will never die. And and that's what the heart of this is change, abrupt change like this that seeks to destroy all of our roots. When a plant cuts itself off at the at the base at the roots, it withers and it dies, even if it Mm. takes a second. That's what always happens. And that's what we're seeing now, the death throes of the council, the death throes of this spirit of change and everything. Francis and his minions, um, the synod and synodality, these are death throes, people. Uh, we're going to suffer a lot more, but these are these are the last gas of people who have completely failed in their attempt to, to completely subvert the nature of what Christ Church is.
3: And the church is going to continue to live regardless of, of, whether or not, uh, you know, we're canonically regular or anything like that. Uh, these things ultimately were, are going to be sorted out in the future. Um, I think it's very tempting to, I'm guilty of this myself. I think it's tempting to take a very emotional stance against this sort of stuff and, and you have to call, call it out where you can, But don't let it disrupt your peace. You know, you you just keep keep your head down and and try your very best to to work out your salvation with fear and traveling. Because a lot of these difficult questions, you'll see, and they're not going to be sorted out in your lifetime. They weren't sorted out in these people's lifetime. And where are they now? They lost their faith, and um, they drug they dragged a lot of people down with them. So. No matter what, no matter what uh, disheartening thing you're seeing right now, Traditiones Custodes, Core Orans, uh, all of the other crazy things down the pipeline, the German synodal uh, path, all of these crazy things, just keep the faith. Keep the faith as much as you can. If you, you know, we had um, a listener from Germany tune into the radio show, um, and if you, you you don't know about the radio show i work on catholic drive time uh we're on the guadalupe radio network here in texas and uh, we're nationally syndicated and we broadcast all over the place we have all kinds of different guests on and really interesting stuff but we had a, a listener from germany who was like what do we do you know i find myself in this situation where um you know there's there's clearly heretics and like how do i go about not going to to their masses you know what where do i go i think i think you should go to tradition i think you should go to the traditional latin mass you should go to a mass at the very least that isn't uh you know super crazy and it's it's not a, a scandal to you If you can find one, go to a Latin mass, go to the Society of St. Pius X. I think we've we've both established at this point uh, Mm -hmm. that's a completely valid option and and work on your salvation because you are not going to solve these problems. I guarantee it. And it's going to drive you crazy and it's going to steal your peace that way, too. So (laughs) I would say. Watching watching this I think that those would be my my closing statements on this this crazy documentary and it really is so telling as to <laughs> the crisis that we find ourselves in now it's uh, fascinating really to look back at this That's right. That's God, right. God is so funny, Jordan. God's <laughs> so funny. He he like he he inspired somebody to film this documentary and now it's enshrined forever. In the now, it's a teaching the thing, Internet. right? Now we look back and say, "Children
2: <laughs> never do this," right? These people yeah. don't do this. Um, what you said is completely true, Rudy. And it's all with love. It's all with charity. And it's also with understanding that so much damage has been done. Yes, but we can be part of the solution, right? That's almost like the hope. The whole I will. I will give our our our, our spirit of the age forebears this great credit. They were very hopeful people. They thought they could change things. In their case, they changed things for the worse, but the spirit of hope exists in traditionalists nowadays. We really hope that we can change things and not because it's how we want to see the mass and we've been raised by this, yada, yada, yada. Not quite the opposite. It's because these are the truths of the faith, which needs to be accentuated. So I will link both the documentary, watch it yourself. Um, as well as some of the subsequent afterlinks. Where are they now? These sorts of things afterwards, but not so that we can laugh at people who chose the wrong solution, but so that mm-hmm. we can we can be resolved to love Christ authentically and to fall deeply in love with the tradition that's been set forth. Because to hear that voice, of our ancestors, right? Chesterton says um, that tradition is a democracy of the dead. To hear the voice of those popes and priests and laity and all those beautiful people who came before us, telling us about the beauty of the Catholic church, that's the people I want to fight and die with. Not to change the church into my own image and likeness, but to allow it to continually be conformed as a bride of Christ to the image and likeness of Christ himself preach brother oh oh i know i need a cigarette right (laughs) well thank you so much everybody uh a 1k subscriber special we are so grateful to have each and every one of you um we are just so blessed to be able to share our content as well as to hear your own stories and everything we are we are so grateful to our listeners uh in audio format on our podcasting sites as well as those on youtube and rumble and other places that might be coming up in the future so we wanted to uh do one last thing and that's that leave a comment below. Tell us about what you thought about this documentary. Maybe there are things similar to your own experiences of tradition that you've seen or of the Novus Ordo or of the new mass or the springtime or any of these things, but also Rudy and I have been scheming about starting just a telegram channel where we can come and we can kind of talk and post memes and just have a little bit more community with you guys. Um, but we need a name. So if you would like, go <laughs> ahead and drop what you think would be a good name for the Glad Trad Podcast Telegram channel below in the comment section. Send us an email, Instagram, doesn't really matter. And we'll take that into consideration. And then hopefully by the next time we get together, uh, we'll be able to to go ahead and start that. Sound good, Rudy?
3: The Society of John the 23rd.
2: Oh, the community, my dude, the community. Oh, whoops. There you go. My bad. <laughs> if you liked this video, if you've been along for the ride, please, please, please continue to pray for us and our families. If you'd like to support us in a different way, you can also check out our Patreon link, which is right there down below. We have a lot of really, really fun little perks, really, really simple and easy to understand. This includes early episodes, episode suggestion priority, and even the ability to come on the podcast and give your own testimony, right? Testify to give your own story of tradition or or any topic that you really want. Um, please, if you have already, like this video, comment, share this video with family and friends. That helps our channel so much. Like, like us on Instagram, all those social media kind of stuff just do. And, uh, and until next time, we, we love you guys. We are so grateful that you were along for the ride thus far. Here's to 1,000 more subscribers, right? God bless you. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> God bless you. May I keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Adios.